to the EG Property Podcast with me, EG Editor Sam McClary. And I'm really excited for this podcast because we're back in the EG studio and I'm back with four experts from the wonderful world of auctions. And in this uh, conversations, we're going to be posing the question of whether all transactions in real estate should be as transparent as the auctions market. Uh, and before we get into that question, I'm going to ask my four guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, who they are, why they're here, and uh, and maybe just give us a little bit of insight into why they think transparency might might be a good idea. Who knows? Uh, George, why don't you introduce yourself first? Brilliant. Yes. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, my name's George Walker. I had the commercial auction team at Allsops. I've been there far too long, over 26 years. So um, we... I've, I was put on this earth to be an auctioneer, I think, um, very, my very DNA, which we used to do in live till 2020, when it's now an online platform. So we sell about £550 million of commercial assets every year, have done that consistently really since the dip in lockdown, and it's been pretty effective. It's about 750 assets, lot size is quite modest. We trade typically in the sub £5 million market, um, and we did up to £8.5 million in two lots last year, so do do bigger lots, but it's typically up to 5 mil. Um, transparency. It's interesting. Uh, from our perspective as agents, the transparency of auctions is the, the digitization of the process, which is not really an auction, just an auctions domain. But that digitization has been um, tremendous transparency. So who's doing what around the asset? Typically have two or three weeks to sell them. So our understanding of who's looking at one asset, two assets, three assets um, is tremendous and to what depth. So from an agent's perspective, the transparency is there. And of course, from the market's perspective, you know, if, if John sells a, a Boots in Wilmslow, um, the price is public. So the, the transactional price is public. So the, it does give people, and then, you know, we all say we just had our February auction, about 60 million raised. So many people said, we're just waiting for your first auction to see what's going on. So there is public uh, data. Um, we see a lot of the buyer's activity. Um, but I think we'd say that the transparency of auctions is, is tremendous. And I think probably the driver of the what makes it happen is that contract. But perhaps we'll come on to it later. Fantastic. That's my take. Fantastic. Thank you, George. And you've set up John to introduce himself there with the boots in Wilmslow. I was going to say, if that was his introduction, I'm going to be a bit briefer than that, I think. <laughs> um, um, John Madison, um, equity partner at Quadrant. Um, we are operating platform for equity. Um, 25 years old as a business, 26 actually now. Um, I have been thank you. I've been uh, with the business nearly eight years. Um, prior to that, uh, I've been specialist in UK retail and leisure for 23 years now. Um, Ten year stint at British Land, um, and largely on the asset management side. My auctions life started in 2018. And I think I've probably sold a good few hundred lots now in that. 220. Thank you. Uh, five years. Um, and so, um, but obviously heavily involved in the private treaty market um, before that and still am today. So um, I guess seat straddle um, both sides. Um, and uh, yes, we had um, a lot of uh, boots, which is what many people have seen in the catalogue for, uh, for some time now. Mm -hmm. It'll be um, great when we get into the, the main conversation to get a bit of your view on how the different markets um, uh, work, I suppose, in terms sure. of that tran transparency. Sure. Thank you, John, for the intro. Straight across the table to Vijay. Thank you. Great to be here amongst friends. Uh, I'm Vijay Parikh, Managing Partner of Harold Benjamin Law Firm. 
Uh, I've been involved in auctions. I love auctions. I've been involved in them for the last 20, 20 odd years, maybe maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, acting for buyers, acting for sellers, acting for private private individuals and property companies. And, and really, when we talk about transparency, well, auctions are great uh, in terms of transparency. You, 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 see the, you see the price being sold, the transaction taking place, and the speed of execution. And, and we'll get on to our private treaty and whether, whether we'll have more transparency and whether that will, that will certainly be helpful. And certainly I could see that being helpful. But um, private treaty transactions always tend to take longer and, and is there real transparency? There's a lot of questions there, so I'm sure we'll get into some depth about those. Definitely. We'll try and answer them as yeah, well at yeah, some point. Yeah. <laughs> BJ, thank you. <clears throat> Last and by no means least, Jo. Um, hello, I'm Jo Seth Smith. I'm an investment manager at Olim Property Limited. Um, we specialise in the majority of secure long-term index property income and our our clients tend to be pension funds, charities, and investment trusts. I'm somewhat uniquely suited to this position because I have been both agent and, cl and now client. I was also an auctioneer at Acuitas for some years. I, um, in terms of my CV, I really started off at JLL in the auctions department and stayed in auctions even when we moved to Acuitas and started Acuitas for something like 17 odd years. So I'm now dangerously middle-aged frankly and um sitting very much in the fund client camp but it's it's this is a particularly interesting topic because i'm able to comment really on both sides and with that sort of experience not just in terms of transparency but also sort of almost the pros and cons of both hmm. and, and where we are fantastic well let, let's start let's start with that and let's start from the if if i'm a buyer or a seller rather than the the agent conversation which i think is an in interesting one to have as as well how, I I guess um, I know everyone who who will be listening to this will know how the auctions market works, but let's just give them a quick um, dummy's guide to if you are buying or selling at auction, you you know you get access to the the details to do your due diligence there and then in the in the catalogue and in the 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 legal documents, don't you? So so how how does that um, in a in a sort of short roundabout way? differ from what we see in the private treaty treaty world well i think again this is one of the benefits of digitalization that, that our, our good clients will have everything ready in terms of the legal pack as we go live so the, the title searches the leases and the service charge accounts that sort of thing and that is available from the word word goes so it goes live you know on, on a friday and typically the thursday about three weeks later um is the auction date so the big difference when I talk to my private treaty colleagues, of which I've got, you know, 30, 40 in all stops, um, after some years, they still don't quite understand this whole idea of preparation <laughs> because the lawyers don't understand it typically. Vijay, is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree. I, I, I would agree that the, the, the legal process can be like treacle, especially with private treaty uh, auctions. We're always, always speeding ahead towards a, a tight timetable and it's preparation getting that legal pack ready, make sure it's full of information. And is, is a, there's a bit of a culture of, okay, so get it under offer, then we'll get legal pack together. So we don't do that. We get legal pack together typically and then go to market for two and a half weeks. And that's quite a culture step for um, a lot of investors who don't really understand it, um, for uh, the clients and their lawyers 
and therefore there's a few firms lawyers tend to dominate our market because they're very good at that but that understanding that basic simple get prepped can i ask the annoying journalist question yeah. around that which is why you know you, auctions has been around a long time uh particularly in, i guess particularly in firms where you do both there's yeah. um it's like why hasn't someone gone hang on a minute we could just have everything ready before and this would make life easier and maybe quicker I don't really know. Um, my wife's an expert in culture and in culture and change in organisations, and I, I genuinely think it takes a long, long time for people to see it. And, and my our colleagues have seen through lockdown the trade we did. We didn't really stop. We kept kept going. Um, but you know, the that's a really hard one to answer. Well, I think people are so used to. Joe, what do you think? Well, no, I was just in terms of getting the due diligence done up front. I think a lot of it is cost driven. Mm-hmm. And also very much depending on who um, the buyer is and who the seller is as well, for that matter. If you're going to be spending money up front ahead of actually knowing whether or not you've agreed a price, then that's an unwanted cost in many respects. Um, If I could be mildly controversial, I think the fact that the buyer pool and the seller pool are very different in auctions and product treaty Mm. isn't irrelevant here. I mean, I think funds and institutions are known to have occasionally sold at auction I doubt many of them would be geared up to buy. Hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. But, yeah. but, but also that's a, a lot to do with the stock. You know, some of the times it's just not institutional quality stock that you're looking for. If you're going to agree something via private treaty as a, as a fund manager now, you know, knowing that you are, you know, whilst you might be the client, you're actually not the client. You are effectively an agent acting for a client hmm. and they need to have seen that you've done the building service, you've done, you've been through the environmental reports, that you're doing these things with the appropriate level of due diligence because you're spending other people's money now when it's your money you can take a view on these sorts of things in which case auction lends itself particularly well and you Mm. enjoy the speed of that and you know as george commented on earlier you have certainty of sale within a set time period yeah is there a, a duty of care as well i'm thinking of the um sort of the individual buyer the private buyer at auctions who might who might not have as much of the skill set and knowledge of, of buying and selling buildings that there's a duty of care on the auctions market to have everything ready so no one's going to make too much of a silly mistake there's, there's a danger of excuse in the, i mean joe's right but equally um there's uh if you're if you're if you're not ready or able because you're not the client i mean i you know with the great suspect all of my capital is external so um, I have to do it. It is it is achievable. Um, it is an excuse. A lot of people in the private treaty world hide behind their agents. Again, to layer, it's an excuse. Um, I think it's achievable. I don't know whether auction is necessarily ready to gear up to fifty million pound lot sizes. That's probably a completely different conversation. But um, it, it is achievable. It's it's just about approach and mindset to some degree. And as George said, cultural change that a lot of people would rather not have or accept. Hmm. BJ? And there's no there's no reason why a, a legal pack can't be put together. Yes, I understand. I understand that um, an institutional client may require building surveyor and uh, further additional enhanced due diligence. But in terms of the legal pack, um, in terms of the contract, the basic terms of the contract, or even even the title and the and, and the leases, etc., replies to the inquiries, they can certainly be put together and a data room uh, available. It just it just means that. You're speeding up that process, that decision-making process, from a buyer's point of view, and also from from a from a vendor's point of view or from an agent's point of view. If someone's been through the legals, they're really going to take their offer more seriously than someone who's like put an offer in and 
and wait to see what happens. There, there is, by the way, <clears throat> improvement in private treaties to the extent mm. that we now get more, far more access to information pre-bid. Yeah. I mean, the days of there's a brochure and it should tell you everything and if I forgot something tough or ask yeah. me later, um, it's not, there is a, normally a data room now, um, yeah. varying degrees of quality. Um, so, you know, the, the system wasn't very well set up because it's evidenced by the fact that I still get updates for data rooms that I lost bids on a year ago. So it's always very interesting <laughs> to tell what other people are up to. But, uh, it, or maybe that they didn't the, sell. <laughs> it's the frailty of the system, maybe. Just repriced but, it. Then. <laughs> but, exchange. Yeah. So, um, but no, there's there's a way to go. But it it, it, it is... It, it's it getting much better. Yeah, I've it has that. improved. I've seen yeah. that. And, and that's that's come about because of the digitization of, of the sort of... the. Yes. the process yeah the ability yeah. to set that up i mean yeah. equally as a seller if you don't want to be chipped or you don't want people to find angles you give them as much information and clarity as you can yeah because yeah you know probably not 10 years ago we all sat there with our army of collective thought about how we might go about chipping at the price <laughs> well, depends also, on the market 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> last week it still happens <laughs> when, when the economy is tricky as well in particular and and you don't really know where pricing is then i think there is more of an effort to make sure that people have got information ahead of time because actually those offers that are made even when you're talking about head of terms to an extent is you know it's not legally binding it is a sort of gentleman's agreement at the mm. end of the day so mm. if you're able to sit there and say okay this this person who's made the offer has seen the lease they've inspected the property whatever box it is that they've ticked then you're going to take that bit more seriously whether it's auctions or even an offer prior to auction yeah Let's let's stick with that. Um, you know what what you hear in the room or on online with auctions and being very, very transparent about the gavel's gone down or what we were talking earlier or whatever the digital version of a gavel is going down. You what see is the digital version you, of a gavel. Return. return. <laughs> <laughs> the spinning wheel of death. Space bar. <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. And you and you can exist. you can see all these numbers straight away. And we, you know we're we're living at the moment in a world where no one's really sure where values are, are going, what they're doing, but in in the auctions world, it's right there in, in front of you. And that, how valuable is that transparency in, in a market that is a little bit all over the place at the moment? Well, I, th I think well, I, I would say that it's valuable. I take my mind back to the steps of the uh, the hotel in St. Stephen's Green in Ireland in 2009, I think, when we had an auction over there. And they hadn't really sold much in Ireland for two years because no one knew what anything was worth. And interestingly, they didn't have a central register. The land registry wasn't published. And it was quite a revelation. Not only was the place so busy, we had... We were mic'd up to the rostrum and I had a microphone in my pocket and I was outside and I had to hold on to the bar of lot number six. Um, it worked. But what happened is very quickly, the market freed up. It was a very, it was a log, well, it wasn't a log jam market, it was a completely dead market. Asking 800,000 euros for a great flat in Dublin, we sold it for, you know, 673. Well, suddenly in that block, transactions happened because the valuers had the information and the banks had the information so the bank will say well I, you know we've learned a million million euros on it it's only worth 800 well that's what the market price is that's an extreme version and we're nowhere near gfc it's a, as joe says it's a slightly strange market but it does a lot of people can't watch and, and listen uh, and and see those results and i think the valuation market relies on it certainly our values are all over us watching that data every day yeah and in fact, you know, you know, we we're talking earlier about the credit crunch, and when that when that happened, you, you could walk into the auction room and you can get a feel for where the market was or where the pricing was. So, it, it's it's very useful from a buyer buyer and seller's point of view. Well, and also if you're in 
you know, if you are successful in the auction room, whether it's online or whether it's in a physical ballroom, you know you've only paid one bid above your competitor. Now, in the private treaty market, it's a little bit more smoke and mirrors, and it is very relationship-based. Not just relationships between agents, but relationships between the buyers, maybe the sellers. Um, it, it's a little bit more murky out there. And you never, you know, there are best bids processes, of course, but that is effectively a sealed bids process. So you don't really know whether you've gone completely mad because effectively you're listening to your advisors and your advisors let's not forget are getting paid on the price that they achieve mm. you know and fees are fees and particularly in a bad market when you're not getting a lot of fees and there's redundancies and all the rest of it and every penny counts and I'd, and I'd like not to think that people are going to be you know trying to necessarily get the best price because they want a lot of money but you know there is an element of that I think about the private treaty market in terms of it is more relationship based whereas actually auctions is it's sight isn't it yeah. it's physically there we're, we're bidding on something at the moment and you know we're it's in a second round now actually no because as joe said relationships and a bit of detective work you work out that there are people around and they have bid but second rounds have been called with one bidder in the room and uh, and and you know final offers it, very rarely do you just get the simplicity of your offer wins or it doesn't you get pulled into another round or a final round or and that's often recently been about you know underwhelming pricing perhaps as much as anything but yeah you, you have to you do have to do that legwork and investors get sort of um, um the beer fear of bidding i mean it's just like who's in and are you sure they bid and can you try and find out what, what they bid or where's their agent what's he doing and uh, it gets very murky so you do remove all of that but equally pre-digitization of auctions you probably found that we sold things i think to people who never even saw the building they bought. Um, so there was like, a, oh, we lost that lot and we just suddenly impulsively bought that one. That wouldn't happen, obviously, in the private treaty world. But And I don't think it's happening now with digitization because everyone's got that. Well, because picture. the registration is, is the, the AML. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, that's the other thing about the back in the old days and before the AML issue that we face now, the auctioneers face now, is that you could walk into a, a, an auction room you would know a lot of the people in that auction room. You know, that, it was a community, effectively. People would go there, go to an auction, turn up, see who was there, have a spot of lunch. You know, and, and you know, families, effectively. Yeah. Generations yeah. of families Generation. in one room. Mm. Um, and if I saw someone who I know, I'm not going to name any names, but who is a seasoned auction buyer, of which there were a number, and they're bidding on something that I haven't even bothered to look at. In fact, I've passed it on the catalogue. It's probably not even a location I even care about. But if I saw them doing it and I saw them competing against another auction buyer, I think, well, they know something I don't know. Why are they bidding on that? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have a go. And, you know, and you would find, and that slightly is a thing that I feel we're a little bit losing these days because whilst a seller, a seller potentially might lose out from that because you don't have that transparency for another one. You don't have that competition in the auction yeah, in the auction room. Um, and I think seeing someone beat you can be irritating. Now, a lot of egos out there in the property <laughs> no, world. No. I mean, I, know, I'm, I'm, I dare to say it out loud, <laughs> but you know, it is there and people will buy things. You know, remember those Bartley's Bank, Turnley Spats back in the day? Beautiful, lovely listed corner buildings. There was a lot of competition to own your bank on that high street. And those mm. prices that we achieved back in those days were pretty keen. Average of 4.43%. There we mm. go. Because they wanted to say to their mate or to their 
Yeah. that they owned that bank on that high street. Thank you very much. Digital egos don't exist yet, but they, they probably will. So, <laughs> By a that, meme. I can oh, speak yeah. on behalf of the entire selling investment community that we all missed the lunch, just to be clear. So, <laughs> I, I concur. Is, I yeah, agree yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Both, oh. both giving and receiving said lunch. Uh, apparently they're coming back, aren't they? <laughs> Sorry, my microphone's not working. <laughs> Full transparency. Yeah. Everyone misses the lunch. Yeah. Um, you raised some really interesting points and it's it's something that um many of you will have heard me bang on about a lot which is perception and i wonder that whether transparency actually has a a really powerful role to play in helping change the perception of the real estate industry and i'm just I'm, and i'm thinking more about i suppose the private treaty market with you know off off market deals secret deals done that help create this perception oh well it's a bit it's a bit mur it's a bit murky to use your word um joe do you think there is if there are more lessons that um we can learn from the transparency of auctions that can that can spread across the whole of the real estate investment market do you think we can nudge towards changing the perception of real estate as this dark mysterious mystique. yeah the wrong kind of mystique it's a little mm. bit of mystique's all right isn't it well, I mean, I, I I find it a mystery when we get bids before the auction and, and the people say, oh, and uh, I bought a lot from you last time and I can show proof of funds. Well, to me, that isn't part of the deal. It's like, do you want to buy or not? Uh, it, it is a slightly mysterious world. But if the if the thousands of deals that happen every year without being an auction went to one round of best bids, that's a start. But you got into a cultural situation where if it's a nice asset and John wants to buy it, you won't put your best foot forward with the first round because you know there's a second round. Yeah. <sighs> big cultural shift so it's a I, I obviously i would say that if everyone could get their act together you can have an auction type situation where it's it's a one a single hit i think the difficulty is is what parameters are you actually working towards when you're buying private treaty i've had clients who who don't have access to private treaty market just purely because they, they don't have those relationships they don't they don't know the process and and even even when they are bidding and, and they provide for proof of funds it goes around first first round of offers and best bids and best and finals and it just continues and then all of a sudden you get an email sorry you weren't successful mm. and and that's the way it is whereas auctions it provides that certainty access to market uh, and your price is the price when you talk about transparency though i mean you're obviously referring to you know there's there's always been cases of institutional funds who sort of feel like they've sold at the wrong the worst possible time and someone's made a fortune out of them or there's been a sort of closed shop deal with ndas where only four people got to look at it and 20 should have and there's loads of that in the private treaty market but the auction market does have its own nuanced challenges and george will probably kill me for saying this but you know in the room it was kind of where's the bid actually come from was it the the curtain or the lampshade but equally <laughs> uh, it's certainly up to a point but you know there was a myriad of creating some myth that there were more people in the room bidding than there maybe were at the time mm. and also then you get into things like underwriting where you know it's again it's, it's a little bit of like is it right should you know sometimes somebody will do quite well out of underwriting a contract so there are their own transparency challenges but i think as was said a minute ago if we can get to a world where um bidding's a bit more straightforward and streamlined and similar to the process and there is a deadline and that's it that'd be great i think that's a very interesting thing that you brought up because you're absolutely right the whole bidding off the wall thing has long been a bone of contention for many people because they don't quite understand what you're trying to achieve and actually it's probably more relevant when you're in a physical room because the reason it's used is that you you, you are as an auctioneer you're allowed to bid up to but not including the reserve 
And you're doing it to create atmosphere and to engage with the people in the room. It's, you know, it's theatre, effectively. Mm. And you've got to get people slightly, you know, rolling around and getting involved with it to, to, to do the best job for your client, to achieve the best price. You're obviously not going to be the reserve, otherwise you as auctioneer will very upsettingly be buying said property, so let's not do that. Paying yourself a fee. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's very interesting mm. because in the mm. digital world... I suppose there is, and I haven't actually thought about this at all, but I suppose there is an argument of actually how relevant is that? Because in a in a ballroom environment, I can, people would hate me for saying ballroom, in an auction room environment, you can absolutely see the argument for it. Mm. And you and, and actually, if you were selling it, you'd be very upset if you went in at X, X level and the room was absolutely silent. You could hear a pin drop. You would sit there, go up to the auctioneer, wrestle with them on the floor and say, what the blazers are you doing man let's get the room going mm. or girl and, and, or girl and there is a an element of sometimes people didn't you know that same fear of overpaying or oh, i'm not gonna i'm gonna hold back and see what happens first and yeah. you do have to stimulate the room i agree with that completely but not you, gonna be the first bidder no and and, no. and then you've you know you you kind of you know you but you know then that you know the one bid's done it or whatever the situation might be but it there is a degree of as, as joe said the, the transparency of online has improved that element of it but you know you've lost other elements so it's kind of you know it's one thing we had to get the, the, the talk about culture quite a bit um the the, the fear of bidding first was a the big problem with the digital auction people don't want to go first so that's that's overcome as people got used to it so how, how do you overcome that is there a is it's, there it's just a, a, it's just, just experience and people get more experience now and we obviously on the phone to them <laughs> if you don't buy it if you don't bid you won't buy it you so know, there, there, there is the, a, there's the price a digital way of um uh, we ring them up and talk to them. Yeah. You know, you're three people lined up saying, you know, actually, if you don't bid 1.3 million, you're not going to buy it. Well, no one else is bidding, but if you don't bid it, you're not going to buy it. And it'll be more expensive afterwards, etc. Classic agent stuff. I love the line, VJ, you say that some of your clients haven't got access to a market in a digital age. I mean, isn't this bizarre? You know, you've got the, that's what the internet does. Mm. <laughs> and yet you have clients who can't yeah. Yeah. get access to real estate. And I think private, that's, private trade, I mentioned yeah. platform earlier. Yeah. You know, this is where, that that has to be something that the market would benefit from massively. Get rid of sans mystique. Mm. Well, and and also maybe widen the market if you're looking at that mm. argument because exactly. you know the the problem mm. with having problem even in an auction room it can be a fairly if you're completely new to the game you've invested in the stock market you maybe bought a residential you're doing a bit of buy to let you suddenly got I don't know five hundred thousand pounds sitting in your bank account and you're wondering what on earth to do with it. You know most people in the real the world who aren't property professionals wouldn't have a clue about investing in commercial property it's a pretty terrifying concept they don't even they don't know the basics they haven't been to university and they or they haven't been apprentices or whatever it is and, and started from the ground up and so it's an area that they feel is quite elitist um, and difficult to get into so you wouldn't naturally go into it but i think there is an uh, there is an argument now that because it is online that you have potentially got further market reach as long as people who maybe have never invested in commercial property before are guided and advised and and that's really again about trust and relationships um but that, that i suppose that could be a, an avenue for growth really yeah. in terms of, of that area otherwise you know if, if if in an auction room you could walk off the street and you could bid you know, you didn't need to prove who you... I mean, I think you needed your driving licence and you needed to check. I didn't, Pretty actually, much yeah. that was it. Just needed to be there. Yeah. I mean, by the way, I've, de I've dealt with a, a load of one-man band agents, you know, t you know, small brokerage advisory firms. 
I get approached directly by them, I see them active, you know, representing people. So there is a different market community representing the market that doesn't access private treaty, but equally, dare I say it, they also, in the same sort of being ready to bid, they they also need that encouragement to, you know, if you don't give them a deadline, they, they, they just miss it. I mean, I've been doing private treaty on these kind of lots as well, because we've just had acceptable bids and taken them. It's an absolute nightmare. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of the worst of both worlds. It's small lots taking far too long because somebody's not under pressure to perform. So um, I'd hate to see that as a mainstay, but equally, you know, um, the, 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 the people that have got access to the private treaty market perhaps play differently in the same way as the larger mainstream institutional market does. Yeah. I'm a big fan of a deadline, so I think that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> introduced alongside the transparency. I think we all are. Yeah. It focuses <laughs> the mind. Absolutely. Um, I want to, we've talked about how digital is more transparent. I want to flip that and, and say, is it? Because, you know, it's very, very easy. We hear a lot of um, tales around, you know, sort of uh, fake personas um, on online. There are clever people out there, mm. not me, who can not be who they say they are online. How do you deal how do you deal with that? And and George, particularly from your point of view, where you're talking about as an as an agent being able to see who's bidding and what they're doing is really valuable yeah. um, for for you. What do you have to do to ensure that you know we we actually know this? Come on, you really want to know? <laughs> you employ four people who are incredibly good at it, <laughs> and then that's not enough, so you employ a fifth person. Um, so we're 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 grappling with two major issues at the moment: the overseas um, entities, which I'm sure VJ can cover <laughs> off to identify what they own in London or in the UK. But secondly, the AML uh, provisions which works up, which just gets more intense every time. Mm. Um, and, you know, our resi team uh, registered, so they understood the ID, who they were dealing with, they had proof of address, and they had a £10,000 bid of security of 1,000 people wow. last week. We had 450 the week before. And that process is... Actually, you can do it in five minutes because they're harnessing technology because you've got your phone and your phone will take a picture of you and it'll confirm with some cloud-based system that, yes, that is Sam McClary and she lives at 37 Acacia Avenue. Boom. And that it does work. So we do that. And we do know that it's Acacia Avenue because everything works. So interestingly, we have total confidence <laughs> that your number is the one from Acacia Avenue. And then if we call you, it, it is you. I don't... It's the taking the, the bid of security off someone that probably really keeps the the fake IDs out mm. um, and this third-party reference uh, point. Uh, Fiji, uh, what do you think? I mean, what, the overseas, overseas ends? Well, no, yeah, the, 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 the overseas thing is a separate one because yeah, like, that's just more recent. That's but the, right. the AML process, actually working out who the heck these people are, well, I think we're pretty good at it. Yeah, yeah, and especially with the advent of the digital digital uh, verification of, of yeah. ID. Now, we, we've been adopting that process with a digital verification of id for many years but um and it, and it, it works and it it's works it's not that expensive it and works. it works it costs it costs money and then there's four and, people and, to start and, the team. And, it, and it's quick and it's it's seamless and it's it's a process which you know all the banks and institutions are using law firms are using and it's uh it just means the access to market is a lot, lot more easier mm. and, and as as george says we can identify the individual mm. and, and off you go the days of bringing cash to the room are over, officially. <laughs> Do you know we talked about last time? <laughs> I once counted out twenty thousand pounds, and I think we were, we three of us counted it, and we're twenty pounds 
different and we just in the end someone got a 20 pound note out and put it this is a long time ago <laughs> yes it's twenty thousand pounds because counting cash if you only do it once every three months is hard i don't know how to count cash anymore. well also the days of rugby task rugby tackling someone to the floor because of course when the gavel went down that is exchange but they can just <laughs> run, run out the room, walk out the <laughs> room. honestly used to send the runners out one of the <laughs> one of our funniest experiences with a young guy who was a bit crazy working for us and he was trying to make an impression he now works in the west end and he's called charles he knows who he is <laughs> he generally jumped through a taxi window through in knightsbridge and he got the deposit this guy mm-hmm. ran i mean say but that, that's all gone because the, the nostalgic view of an auction room when you can park your rolls royce outside and come and smoke in a fag and buy a lot Oh, good times. Well, it's different times. It's just different times. Well, I, I think some of our some of our clients miss parking their Ferraris. Yeah. So look, they're they can change their uh, avatar to a Ferrari on the uh, as they did on the They could do. Um, George, you mentioned the overseas regis- register, and and that is another step in getting a little bit of transparency into this this market, isn't it? And um, Vijay, I don't know if you can touch on whether that is uh helpful um how that's how that's changing it, it, the market it is it's a register of overseas entities which are, which has recently come about and and that's a change which has been discussed for many many years and it is is about having the the ultimate beneficial owner registered um in the uk at the at the company's house in in terms of any transactions which take place yeah it's transparency from that point of view but it's again it's a it's a legal process which uh, another hoop which uh, which a buyer will need to jump through and, and lawyers and, and accountants and other other institutions have come up to speed very quickly in terms of providing that yeah i mean all my uh, traditional pyrolytic clients use structuring so it's been a logistical nightmare but mm. obviously being completely transparent was is paramount so we we got on with it and it's all done but i guess the interesting thing you know that many journalists probably including yourselves have written about it but there's a number of things outstanding and what happens now and and i know there's you know blocks on title and what have you but it still feels like there needs to be some further steps to to iron out what we all feel is probably not right for london particularly probably would say but um you know for the market at large generally yeah yeah. It's a big step. Are there, there is ten thousand of thirty thousand yeah. outstanding. Yeah, it's huge. So yeah, it's a huge number. Of that's massive. And there's you know the likes of your clients and John. You know you you've gone through that. And it, like when we started registering, the first few auctions were a nightmare, but then it gets easier. You can now happily yeah. trade away, and it's yeah. all fine. But it's the yeah, it's it's the outstanding ones. What is it? Is the government going to show teeth? It was challenging, by the way, because you had to find you know approved um, you know, validation from an external source, and Correct. lots of people hadn't even got their head around it you know so um i do sympathize that some of those ten thousand may well be just a little bit slow and, and lacking in initial understanding and yeah. playing you know playing catch up like a tax return yeah. but i suspect there's a lot that weren't or aren't and that yeah. that's the really interesting thing for me that i shall watch with interest from afar or yeah. perhaps in some cases may not whatsoever yeah. yeah, some will be doing it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, won't they? Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's come back to whether I guess answering the answering that we're going to push you on it, answering the question of whether all transactions should be as transparent as as auctions. Is, is that the future that we should be pushing this industry towards, or is there a place for um, opaqueness as a leading question uh, in the in the real real estate? state world turkey voting for christmas alert yeah i mean we've done it before haven't we? Uh, <laughs> um what do you think joe well i don't think 
thing about auctions and private treaty having sat in both countries actually the whilst transparency is a key thing actually you're really thinking about who the buyer is for your particular asset and the the, the thing that you have with private treaty versus auction is that you're able to use a potentially a more targeted approach or maybe to do some off market and you're Yes, okay, it's more opaque. You are using a bit more smoke mirrors, but the, at the end of the day, you're looking to achieve best price. That's the key thing. And sometimes auctions is the way to go about it because a private investor is going to be your buyer. Um, that gives you the best market reach. And that's where you're going to end up. But if you've got an asset, and let's say it's a complicated asset, it's a... Uh, I know, 50 million pound shopping centre, God forbid, in this market. In fact, probably very fewer 50 million pounds these days. But you know what I mean? It's a complicated adult, or it's a, or it's a leasehold. It's going to it's going to take more than a three weeks due diligence period. You're not going to achieve best price by auction. So transparency is sort of neither here nor there at that at that point. Um, so I think there is something to be said for utilising relationships as we do in the property world to achieve what we need to achieve that's a sale or best price sometimes in a particularly tricky market it's not even best price it's a sale and you just need to get it done and it needs to happen quickly mm -hmm. um and we've seen that through various recessions and no doubt we'll be seeing it again and we you know we've seen a little bit of it last year people just needed to sell and they need to do it quickly and if they were taking a, a hit on value so be it but um, you know, auctions comes into its own for that. But again, like I said, for, it's an, it doesn't work for all assets. And actually, when I was sitting in auctions, I would have probably have disagreed with myself. Hmm. I would have said auctions works for any asset whatsoever. It's just about pricing. And there's probably an argument to that as well. Of course, hmm. there's a price for everything at the end of the day. And there, you know, we've got enough professionals in the auction market. They're not Joe Soap off the street. They know what they're doing. And they will pay you. And if they see an opportunity, they will absolutely jump to the table, whether they like that asset or not, because they want the opportunity. And if it's 12, 14, 20%, so be it. In my experience, there's nothing as cross. I mean, John mentioned a, um, a comment earlier. It's about the buyer pool. There's nothing as irate as an auction buyer who cannot get a contract on a property he wants to buy or she wants to buy. <laughs> I bid them six and a half million pounds. Where's the contract? Honestly, there's so many phone calls, particularly you know, people that we all know and all deal with, well, what's the problem? They told me I was the highest bid, so where's the contract? The deposit is ready to go. And that that shows me that there's room for our lot size to go up. Uh, and of course, you know, if, if M&G is selling a 137 portfolio and they want privacy, fine, because there's only a someone they're selling our buyers. But, you know, we've done an eight, done 10, done 13 million. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's room for that to go up. Yeah, lots of And it doesn't need to be a two and a half yeah. weeks. Yeah. It could be six weeks or four weeks or three mm. and a half, doesn't matter. And I've seen, I've seen very complicated um, lots being sold in auction as well. When just, when the objective the price, is to get yeah. it sold. But the price yeah. has got to be right. Yeah. yeah. That's is, the is thing. It if you're trying to vendor, get a, pro yeah. a proper, yeah. you know, certainly market value mm. or above, and it's a very complicated asset in three weeks, I think you might struggle a little bit mm. these days. But mm. if... It's I mean, not, I might be wrong. I'd like to think I'm wrong, but I, I mean, it's not completely different to private uh, private uh, treaty. Sorry, it's, I mean, if uh, ultimately I'm only as good as my last deal, and um, our reputation is important and everything to us. So, you know, if Aviva or um, Landsec or BL or whoever in the room and they want to buy something, chances are private treaty wise, they probably can. That lower cost of capital. No question, they don't need debt. Their reputation's impeccable. Um, albeit, then sometimes you know, funds take a long time. 
institution strategy changes. Um, so we have to rely on sitting somewhere in the stack where people know we'll do what we say we're going to do. So I quite like private treaty in that regard because I can I can lever off that. And I suppose, you know, by the way, there's room for angry people in private treaty as well because mm. people get, yeah. <laughs> have, have you been <laughs> both, one? But, no, I'm, I, no, I'm luckily quite uh, quite mellow really at heart, but uh, maybe I've got, I've got too old now, but uh, once upon a time. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, there's pros and cons, and I think George is right. There should be room for, I'd like to see bigger lot sizes relative in auctions going in and being more successful because you get quite nervous after a certain number. And I've probably gone up to 3 million and got a bit sort of jittery, um, mm. but I'd like to be able to get to 10. But I do think once you go beyond that, at the moment, I'd still favor a private treaty method. Um, yeah, I think that's timing as well. Right. I, I remember the um, one of the biggest lots ever sold was nine and a quarter mil. There's a great big reversionary uh, supermarket and there's a, a proper UK built society pension fund we're going to buy it and the guy who fund manager around me I said what what have I just tell me I have no idea how to do this what have I got to do I've got to convince the credit committee I've got to <laughs> so we just gave him a you know, walk through guide and he, and, he, and he bought it but he, he was aware bright enough to be aware that he had a I think cultural word he had a, a, a deal to do with in, internally to say well if we bid nine and a quarter million chance we could own this and, mm. and he did but picking up on Joe's point about price, there is a bit of an urban myth that auctions are sort of, you know, knock down prices, you know, everything must go sales and what have you. We've sold 35 lots in London, um, let to boots, um, nine or so sub three and a half percent. You know, it's it, it, we've sold bundles in the twos, threes and fours yield. So I've not seen that many in the private treaty. And I know they're smaller lots, clearly, but we are talking about a couple of million pounds and, and lease lengths that are, you know, I think if we look at retail parks or office buildings, we kind of get obsessed about Walt to break Walt and we start overanalyzing our, our exit assumptions. And, and actually this market's just a bit more, what, what I love about real estate historically, gut feel, like mm. good feeling about this just feels like a good deal. And I, I miss that in the mainstream market massively. It's It's been eked out by strategists and management consultants and all Excel sorts of things. Sheets. You know, it's, and yeah, and analysts. Um, it, it needs to come back actually. To, but it's the, you can't not admire private investors because there's this idea that they're a bit clueless and, 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 and a step away. But there's some really bright, well-educated, savvy people in those rooms. And, I, and I've met enough now to know that, you know, these guys aren't fools. Yeah, Undermest underestimate them at your peril. Exactly. I think Which they I... could walk over a number of fund managers out there, frankly. Yeah. 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 Well, just coming back to the, the private treaty, I mean, we, we've had clients who have used both processes as a, a private treaty with an auction backstop, and, that, and that's worked well. And it focuses focuses buyers' minds, and, and there's, a, there's an auction date if yeah, as, as a backstop of the properties. It's a great process. It's yeah. a really great process, that. Um, yeah, to be able to get that certainty of sale. You're, you're literally using the best of both markets. The, 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 you're, you're going out with an early, in inverted commas, getting the agents involved, because actually getting an agent to act is really tricky to do, because if they know it's in the auction, they've basically lost the will to live automatically. <laughs> so that you know they're, they're not going to get a fee as far as they're concerned. They've given up and they've moved on to something else. And, and lots of it sometimes has a... Has a part in that too but if you can do it an early uh, private treaty marketing campaign and then turn around to people who are maybe got a little bit of indecision as to whether or not they're, they're interested or not and then you say well you know what you've got five two days maybe to decide and we're actually going to put it in the auction the minute they hear it's going to go to the auction 
and you're going to have every Tom, Dick and Harry bidding on it. It's amazing how quickly <laughs> they can come to a decision about wanting to buy that property. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, and I think it's, um, it's uh, certainly both Allsop's and Acuitas are, are doing it, but it's, yeah, it's a really interesting way hmm. of playing both sides of that market. And I think it works extremely well, particularly for potentially you know the the, the more complicated lot sizes yeah. where those where those three weeks aren't necessarily you know something maybe with, with development potential and someone needs to engage with planners or whatever it is you know they might need a little bit of due diligence up front i think that really works and and would work for a, a fund buyer potentially as well if they've got boxes to tick in terms of yeah think, surveys or whatever yeah. it is they need to do most agents would say there's nothing like a private equity investor on your case to keep you motivated but actually there's nothing like an auctioneer at the back of your of your journey either so i'm about to try it so we'll see but i'll let you know but um <laughs> yeah if sell something try and go private with a backstop of auction mm. it's another interesting take on the guarantee of sale mm. but the opportunity to give a wider audience more time to get there yeah it sounds to me, um, listening to you all, that actually transparency, I suppose, is the is the wrong word here. And the right word feels like honesty and that honesty about what actually you want to get from the sale, whether it's certainty of sale, certainty of sale, whether it's achieving the right price, whether it's, you know, being and uh, making sure that everyone has an opportunity to look at this or, or whether it's using the the skills and knowledge that this industry does have to say do you know what this is the right deal for for you so I'm going to bring it bring yeah. it to you so maybe it's it's ev everyone should be honest about what they're trying to do with um the asset that they're selling or, or buying rather than um obsessing too much over over transparency it's quite into the relationship between agent and and principal changes as well because I spend my life leading up to an auction trying to push George's pricing in. <laughs> and whereas I spend my private treaty life trying to question whether an agent's offering me the sale at a price is actually achievable. So we're almost in the reverse parallels because yeah. um, they're, they're trying to win a sale off a price and actually auctioneers want to make sure they sell yeah, that's and attract interest. I love that because that is the perfect example of when you're, you've got so much experience now in the auction room, which I don't think a lot of particularly funds uh, have actually got I mean we do particularly at Olin we sell a lot through auctions and you know we have we have a lot of experience in that domain and clearly you do too so you're very attuned to it as I am too but I think it's quite rare for people to acknowledge that actually that you're going to be going in at you know if you're getting auctioneers pricing they're going to tell you your absolute bottom line and also you're there to create interest aren't you uh, and the role potentially if you're offering something about a private treaty you're going to go in at a level that you are either hoping to achieve or um, you know where your where your value is necessarily. You know there are lots of other other ways of looking at that price. But an auctioneer is going to tell you bottom line. If you want to get a sale, that's the price you're going to get to. As as clever as people are in the private tree, uh, sorry in the auction market, that we did have to educate somewhat on pharmacy, for example. I mean, it's a, a traditional shop can be picked up and put anywhere. And when the high street looks quite vacant, you think, well, of course that retailer would take that shop, and mm -hmm. you know fit outs are lower than other sectors as well so it's it's doable you know with a pharmacy license it's not easy to move there's complexity around the, the reliability of that building where it is proximity to a surgery or whatever so there was a lot of educating to do about so we did create i guess a product strategy rather than you know do people understand this because there's x thousand people going in every week to pick up mm. prescriptions and just this basic footfall and guaranteed baseline trade to pay the rent was mm. was guaranteed the sector thing, I think, is an issue, actually, because a lot of what was in an auction catalogue is retail. It's 
you know, people, if you're talking about a base level private investor walking up and down the high street, they understand the local shop, they understand the local village, they, they know whether something's performing well or not because they're walking up and down their high street. You, you haven't seen historically an awful lot of industrial or offices or leisure or petrol stations or whatever it is. It, it's certainly on the increase. It has been on the increase as it has a lot size. But it's harder to understand, particularly in terms of rents, whether something is over rented or not. I mean, pubs is a classic. It's not pound per square foot. I mean, actually, I should say that about zone A's. I mean, <laughs> they remind it and they're going, zone A? What yeah, that is that? not a payment. No, it's a hard one to understand. It's a hard one to understand. And so um, there is a, a reason to have maybe a, 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 an agent advising you on that if you're you know, either new to the game or it's a sector you hadn't considered before, but you're a property professional, um, petrol stations, things like that. But yeah, I mean, there is... Again, that's a slightly, you know, whilst it's not trans- as transparent, the thing about retail is it's incredibly transparent. Mm. Yeah. And, and as much as they might understand their high street, it doesn't stop them getting clobbered at lease expiry or renewal because of what somebody else has done in, in the same street. And that, that's yeah. a big issue. I mean, I've spent my life with retailers. And again, it's a relationship game. But, you you know, most of them are now, as you see in corporate accounts, pushing very hard against opportunistic rent reduction and, and, and fair enough. But it, it doesn't stop, again, the understanding of the, the street or the building but you know there is still this thing called the landlord tenant act that's quite <laughs> archaic and we won't get we won't get into that but um yeah. but you know that the, there is a, a um an element of that that is you know scary but um you know long leases people start looking at capital value per square foot it's another metric that sometimes you go wow why have they done that and then you look at them you know you can always look at different angles and that's where they are quite clever and quite educated because these are big buildings in some cases they have opportunity we've done quite a lot of residential upstairs i mean it's it was a kind of free hit solves two problems upper parts that no one wants and and and, and residential that's in dire need there's so much to dig into here, isn't isn't there? And I, I fear we could uh, carry on this conversation for at least one, maybe two hours, and have one of those long lunches that <laughs> I know everyone wants to wants to bring bring back. But I just I, I just want to sort of clo- close this round, I suppose, with the with the conversation and just get from from each of you, I, I guess that just a little look to the future, and if if everything could be as you wanted it to be you know lessons learned from how auctions operates lessons learned from how private treaty operates how could we what would the ideal investment model i suppose or transactionary model look like for for each of you that's just a small question to round off <laughs> round off the con- conversation uh, george do you want to start us off um, no I'll, I'll try to be unbiased um <laughs> step one every graduate should do six months in an auction team to understand how you transact assets. I and, totally agree with that. And way. how every buyer is different and every property is different and how having everything together can help a transaction. And of course, I would like the lot size to keep increasing from, you know, 500,000 to it's now just short of a million dollar market. Um, because I think it, I, don't, I think the potentials there, I've so many of our markets meetings when the West End guys are going to, 55 million pound deal, I can't get over the line. Oh, I wish we had an auction contract. We're not going to sell 55 million pound West End buildings in the auction, but... Let's get further towards that because, Sam, you raised the honesty. What do you want to do with this? Do you want to put it on the market for 12 months or do you want to get it transacted because the fund's closing or whatever else? Learn lessons from these big funds who've used it and it works. So, look, I, I think this guy is, is pretty much the limit for auctions. Clearly, we operate the sub-5 million pound market. Let's do more of those. But I think the education is a slow process. Every graduate, six months, an auction team, 
Okay, there we go. Uh, VJ. For me, it's uh, certainly access to market for private investors and, and really improving that um, use of technology. That, that That's one aspect. And um, the availability of, of product. Certainly, you know, that, that would, that will go a long way in terms of um, creating a creating a better availability and better market fantastic thank you john um different take on george's starting point i think um agency businesses should be pushing really hard to get their graduates experienced on client side early um and i also think that people in the system reading and southbank etc should be trying to get work experience on both sides of the fence as early as they can because the understanding thing is is huge I'm trying to sort of train an agent to be a client it's one of the hardest things you'll ever get never get right potentially or some you know some got it some haven't but um i think that as a as a base learning um investor wise i think the the idea that the man on the street could could invest in something more quickly and easily um there's ideas out there that sort of look like they're heading in the right direction ipsx springs to mind great idea not sure the execution will end up working complicated buildings don't work on exchanges necessarily easily you know you've got to fix things and but you know the fact that um uh, a retired couple that live in Clandudno could own a part of the best building in Clandudno they walk past every day it's a fantastic notion and I'd, and let taking out the layers of fees and the the sort of um, average performance of fund managers at, at times and, and and you know that that would be a nice way to for the market to go um I haven't got the answer fully but I think people are trying to think of it um and then yeah, we touched on it a few times. It would be nice to think that we could get back to the idea that a bid is actually a best bid and a mm. and a final bid. Mm. Fantastic, thanks, John. Joe. Well, I think there's room. For, there's clearly room for both. And uh, as as much as I love the transparency of an auction market, I also enjoy the more murkiness of a private treaty market. I think both offer different things, both of which can be utilised by both buyers and sellers to their advantage. So they both have a firm position. The one thing I do miss, um, George will probably have a word with me after this saying it, VJ will absolutely agree as we want an auction back in an auction room. I think there's room for it. I think we will lose. Um, I mean, how can you train an auctioneer if you haven't got an auctioneer to watch? You know, who's going to be the next generation of auctioneers? The days of a graduate being on the end of a phone in the room are probably gone like the digital piece could work in the room and, yeah, and equally absolutely. maybe one auction could be in and one auction could be out and they alternate i don't think it necessarily go back to how it used to be but yeah there's 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 it's a really there's a hybrid solution yeah. somewhere that george is yeah. going to tell us about any day and it will include lunch absolutely it will <laughs> so i always like to round off a conversation where I, I i just read out a couple of words that i've written down usually i try and make them start with the same letter but i've failed on on <laughs> on on this case but um I think just just listening to to all of you throughout the co throughout the conversation, particularly with that, okay, well, what do we want it to look like, and where where do we need to get there? Education was a was a, a key point and experience, I suppose, and and bringing them back in real life, George, no no pressure, a access um to to this wonderful world in which which we all operate, um finality of uh you know if you make a bid, a bid's a bid, and let's um let's be. Um, clear around that and then linking that all together is this this honesty of what we want to what we want to achieve and the and the best way to to get there 
I love this world. I think it's so fascinating. There's so many different um, avenues to go down, which is why we have gone well over half an hour in this conversation. But who cares? That's what that's what a good conversation is. So um, just uh, falls to me to say thank you so much for joining us on the ET Property Podcast. Thank you.